0: Greatest show on Derek come to you live from the Sweet Bee studios. I am your host, Quentin, and we've got, oh, good baseball stuff. I'm recording this December 9th, and so I think yesterday on the 8th is when Steven Strasburg re-signed with the Nationals at seven years and $245 million. Super stoked about that. I do think it's a pretty impressive signing. I like the signing because... Um, it shows that the Washington Nationals, I, I think, really care about their players, right? There are a lot of teams that get such a bad rap with how they treat their players. Like, for example, right now Chris Bryant has a grievance with the Chicago Cubs. So he's taken his grievance to MLB because the the Chicago Cubs manipulated his service time. And that would have been in 2015. And if you don't know how that works, it's sort of like... If you're going to call up a player at the beginning of the season, dude, just wait till like halfway through April and you get to keep that rookie for an extra year and it delays their free agency, which is a completely just dick move. I, I am fully on board with Chris Bryant's grievance and I think that's just such a... I mean, when I, when I look into sports, like, I get it, right? These athletes are millionaires or whatever. Like, Mike Trout's halfway into a billionaire based on his contract. But I don't like it, dude. I don't like teams, no matter how much money these players get, because it's been proven that money doesn't buy happiness. And if you're a millionaire or you're making $19 million a year, which is what Chris Bryant will make this year, Stephen Strasburg's going to make 35 million a year. The truth of the matter is, you get used to making that much money and you're just back to a normal guy who's mad because he hasn't taken a dump in 2 days, right? Or your kid ate the last more Pop Tart and that's all you wanted when you woke up, right? If you're a millionaire, people have the same problems, right? Like I've got my knee propped up on a chair right now because it hurts. If I had a million dollars, guess what? My knee would still hurt, and I would still get out of breath walking up the stairs like money doesn't fix any of this, right? And I don't like players treating—or excuse me, I don't like teams treating their players like assets. So I fully side with Chris Bryant on this, and I think it would be huge for the players if— that Chris Bryant, if he would win this grievance and become a free agent a year early, I think that would be huge for players because it's a bad thing. I don't like Major League Baseball player rookies, stud rookies getting called up like halfway through April so we can do this. It's just such a dog move, man. Like if you want to have a player like, you know, play for your team their whole career, like you just don't treat people like that right like Steven Strasburg now is going to be a Washington National for probably his whole career he's got the seven-year 245 million dollar contract I think he's 31 years of age so this is this is going to take him man and I think it's great to have a player play for a team forever you know you got guys like Chipper Jones right he was always a brave guys like um Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can think of <laughs> I don't know if I can think of another guy that was just with the team forever. Like Mickey Mantle was like always a Yankee, right? Yeah. So, like that's that's a good thing. And it's I'm I'm seriously right now as I'm talking, I'm trying to think of a player who played for one team their whole career that's not named Chipper Jones. Mariano Rivera, he was always a Yankee. Derek Jeter was always a Yankee. Right? That's huge stuff. And I think that's cool for the team, man. I think it's cool for the player's legacy. And really, I just think it's cool for the fan base because you have that guy forever, right? It's never a good thing to see a player leave, man. So I really like the Steven Strasburg signing. I've always loved the way Strasburg pitches too, man. He throws a ball like Mark Pryor. What do they call it? Like the inverted W where he does his arm like that? Dude, he was so fun to watch. During the postseason, no doubt, and now he's going to be making thirty-five million a year per the Nationals. But keep an eye on the grievance, right? Because the Cubs they want to deal Chris Bryant, right? Which is huge because apparently the the Cubs have talked to the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies about getting Chris Bryant, and that's huge because those are two teams like on the cusp of doing great things, and Chris Bryant is an elite hitter, dude. I mean, this is a guy that carries a high on base percentage of like three seventy three eighty. He slugs like in the 550 range. So even if he's off, he sort of carries like over 900 OPS. He's a good dude, right? But the Cubs need to get rid of him because the Cub needs prospects. And to be honest with you, what they've got really isn't working. So they're sort of like, let's just get rid of Bryant and let it be. And I'm really, if the Cubs are going to trade Chris Bryant, bro, I'm rooting for him to go to the Phillies because I want Bryant and Harper to be on the same team because I feel like it would just be like Jordan and Pippen of baseball, but like they're equals. Like, I don't know if one's Jordan or one's Pippen, probably Harper would be Jordan because like, he's more famous, I guess. But I would love for those guys to be on the same team. I think it'd be huge. And that makes for a stout NL East, right? Because, whoa, you got the nationals doing things. They just coming off a world series. The Mets are playing pretty aggressive, even though they just lost Zach Wheeler, who the Phillies got, like, that's you know, crazy, dude, um, but, yeah, dude, so, I, um, uh, listen to this, though, I figured out what Steven Strasburg's direct deposit would be, at $35 million a year, after taxes, his direct deposit bi-weekly would be $1.4 <laughs> that's $1.4 million bi-weekly, if I, <laughs> listen, listen, I'll tell you this, if I had 1.4 million dollars bi-weekly after taxes that would hit my account, I kid you not the first thing. The first thing I would do, I would buy a Delorean 40 grand for a mint Delorean on eBay. I'm buying that thing hands down. and honestly, I'm probably buying two Deloreans because I got a kid on the way, so I have to have like a play Delorean where she can eat like, uh, like cheese puffs in it, right? Like, so that'll be like our play DeLorean where like the dog and the kid can go in that DeLorean. But then I have like my DeLorean that like I really love and take care of and nobody can touch, right? So I'll have two DeLoreans. But I will also buy a bazooka. <laughs> Listen to this, dude. You know, you could buy a bazooka online for $1,000 and you can finance it for $93 a month. $93 a month gets you a bazooka, a real life bazooka. Just like Dwight Schrute shot on The Office. Like, I always wanted a bazooka. Like, I felt like sort of like I would be with Arnold Schwarzenegger on the movie Predator. Like, Arnold's got his gun. Jesse Ventura's got his gun. The black guy who cuts his face shaving who's got, like, the spinny gun, he's got his. And then I got a bazooka, right? And they, like, Mac. Mac's the guy's name that cuts himself on Predator. But, like, my name's McCree, so that would be weird. If he was Mac, I think they would just call me Q and I would have like a bazooka for $93 a month, you know? But with a kid on the way, yo, my wife I don't think she would be comfortable with me having a bazooka in the house. Um, but I think I'm going to make a potato gun for Christmas. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go to Lowe's and get some uh like PVC pipe i get a fire source and get like 20 cans of Aquanet. And then maybe like on Christmas morning, I can just shoot potatoes over the interstate. <laughs> I think that would be so legit. You ever shoot a potato gun? They're the greatest thing ever. But also, the last thing I would do with my $1, $1. $1.4 million biweekly direct deposit, I will franchise a Chick-fil-A. You can franchise a Chick-fil-A for $1 million. So let me paint a picture for you. I get paid $1.2 million weekly, right? And I'm married to my wife. And let's say, like, I told my wife, I said, listen, do you think I could use my next paycheck for something? And she'd be like, well, what are you looking to get? And I would be like, I want to uh, franchise a Chick-fil-A. And she would be like, you want to franchise a Chick-fil-A? We don't have time to run a Chick-fil-A. And I would just be like, no, I want to franchise a Chick-fil-A in our house. And, like, obviously, because I would be so rich, I would have a mansion. And on that mansion, I would have a Chick-fil-A wing and I would have a man, um, a, a butler named Bobby, and he would run the Chick-fil-A. And the Chick-fil-A would just be for me and my family. And I would have a Chick-fil-A wing of the house, which I would always spend all of my time in. And I would also, like a Victorian like princess, I would take a ranch bath. Or I would bathe in ranch dressing and then dip my chicken nuggets in my bath while I relax in my bath at ranch dressing. I think that would be so cool. Right. And I would for sure have my own Chick-fil-A and i would just be eating chicken sandwiches, spicy chicken sandwiches. I would get like a milkshake maker, a soft serve maker. Like it would be so good. And as I realize I'm saying all this, I would be the MC Hammer of baseball. If I made thirty five million a year, I would have so much stupid stuff. I would have an entourage of people just like hanging out with me. But my entourage would be like my nieces and nephews, my brother, my mom, my dad. Like I would just roll with my family everywhere we went. I would have a helicopter and I would just like go places because I always wanted like a flying car and the closest thing to that is a helicopter. So I would helicopter everywhere. I would helicopter to Walmart and, you know, buy like, you know, great value oatmeal because like it's a value and I like to have clean carbs. (laughs) I think that would be so cool. Uh, that's, okay, so that's that. I don't know where that segment was going, but I like to spend money. Oh, also, I will buy a WWF championship belt. Listen, dude, the Major League Baseball offseason, dude, has me twisted on eBay. There's a dude in Pakistan that sells WWF championship belts on eBay, for, like, $150, I'm so close to getting the world title and the intercontinental title just shipped in my house, man. Because I got a free trial of WWE Network while, while like, there's off-season baseball. And I'm just going to buy a championship belt, like, I swear. I've already bought, like, you know, I honestly haven't bought that much baseball stuff since the off-season's happened. Um... I bought a few packs of cards from Target, but otherwise, I've been keeping pretty much a low key on just digging through the cards that I already have, which I really love to do, like especially around the holiday season because I remember just like being a kid and getting like box sets of cards for Christmas. And I'll tell you, I, I say this, I probably say this a lot and definitely say it every Christmas. but if you haven't opened up a good pack of baseball cards in a while or since it's the holiday season, go to eBay. You can order a set of 19. What's 88? 1988. Don Russ has a phenomenal look. Buy yourself a Christmas present. Go to eBay. Buy an 88 set of Don Russ box set. And get them shipped to your house. When they come to the house, wrap them up and put them under your Christmas tree. And then on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve night, when you open your Christmas Eve pajamas. Open those cards, and it will be so fun to open those cards on Christmas. I, yeah, I could make a case to open up the cards Christmas Eve night, open up your pajamas, open up your cards, and just, like, put some cookies in the oven and have 24 hours of a Christmas story on TNT. Dude, that's the life, and that's what you have to do. I love it. La-da-da. Okay, next on the free agency, Madison Bumgarner. Okay. Okay. Listen, Madison Bumgarner hasn't signed yet. There's been rumors that the Cardinals are going after him. I think I've heard the Braves possibly in the mix, but get this. The one thing that I know I've heard, and that's accurate, oh, God, I hate recording a podcast by myself. Courtney is going to record with me this weekend, but she's, uh, she's, oh, God, she's two months from having our baby, So, but she'll be on the podcast later this weekend, so I'm just going to be out of breath while I'm talking. So, woo! uh Madison Bumgarner has said that he's like hey I'll take five years and a hundred million and if you want to give me a little over 100 million I'll do it. That's a very affordable number and I think Madison Bumgarner should I think he's 30 years old I'll I'll Google it but I like the idea love the idea of getting Madison Bumgarner for five years and a hundred million dollars because that's only 20 million a season for a pitcher that I still believe has stuff. the thing, he's 30 years old. Madison Bumgarner just turned 30 this past August, right? And I feel like, dude, he's, I mean, three World Series. He's such a clutch pitcher, good in the postseason. If your team's going to go to a wild card game, Madison Bumgarner is sort of the guy you want. He bought his wife a bull for, like, one year on an anniversary. That's a guy you got to like, dude. Let's look at this. Okay. Um, representatives of Madison Bumgarner have been forward-interested in Informed interested organizations that he's looking at to top nine figures over five years. Well, it's like, give me five years and a uh, hundred million dollars, twenty million dollars a year. We're pretty cool with it. The Giants, Bumgarner's lone team today, the Giants are among his suitors and are going to meet with his representation this week. So the Giants are still in the running for it. And at five years and a hundred million, you have to like the idea of keeping a guy like Bumgarner around. Because he sort of encompasses, you know, the success they had this past decade three World Series titles in five years. I can't imagine a guy like Bumgarner not being in San Francisco. He's probably the one free agent that I just do not see in any other jersey other than the Giants. That doesn't mean he's not going to sign somewhere else, right? If. If you've listened to any of my takes on this podcast, I'm I'm about a 300 hitter, right? Which I think is fine. Like, if I get three out of ten hot takes, right, and I run a baseball podcast, how is anyone going to tell me I'm an idiot? Bro, if I'm batting 300, I'm in the Hall of Fame. So, what's up with that? Uh, the Angels, okay, guys are looking for different things, blah, blah, blah. Interesting, although they're not known for their spending, the division rival Diamondbacks are in the mix. For Madison Bumgarner the Angels are also a part of it now I like dude I'm intrigued by what the Angels could do this offseason so exciting stuff that's happening Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim they've picked up Joe Madden dude that tells me they're serious the last team to hire Joe Madden won a World Series in their second year right Shohei Otani's coming back I think If Shohei Otani stays healthy in 2020, we could very likely see a season by a player to which, like, we haven't seen the likes of since ever. You know, you got a guy that could hit 25 home runs and, hell, win 15 games. Like, this could be huge. A guy that throws 100 miles an hour and has elite exit velocity, it's a pretty big deal. And I believe that the Angels are still. So with the Garrett Cole situation, he hasn't signed yet. Folks say that there's an offer on the table from the New York Yankees right now that could be upwards of like eight years, $300 million. So we don't know exactly what the offer is, but a lot of folks, a lot of baseball insiders, myself included, <laughs> believe that the Yankees are pushing hard for Garrett Cole. Like the Yankees are, they're going to, It looks like the Yankees are going to do whatever they have to sign Garrett Cole. They've got an open pocketbook, and they're going to spend whatever it takes. Essentially, right now, the New York Yankees, they're your wife or girlfriend in a Target who's about to buy everything in the damn store. Right, that's what the Yankees are. The Yankees got an open pocketbook. They just got their paycheck, and they're going to Target, and they're going to be like, "I'll spend whatever I have to. I don't care. I'm in Target, and I've got money. Let's spend." That's what the Yankees are like with Garrett Cole. They're just like, "We're going to spend it. I want Garrett Cole so bad." Right? And I, but I believe the Angels, folks say like the Angels are gonna give. The Yankees are run for their money in the Garrett Cole sweepstakes, and a lot of folks, dude. Are like, well, Garrett Cole, bro, he's like an out west guy. So he's going to maybe go with the Angels or the Dodgers. But the word on the street is Garrett Cole is going to go wherever the best deal is, i.e., where the cash at? Where the cash at? Cash money, me and ass. He's looking to get his master P on and get some of that cash money. That's what Garrett Cole is, G money, son. And he's hyped, dude. Uh, Jeff Passan from ESPN wrote today that Garrett Cole was the best free agent pitcher ever. I mean, I still side with Greg Maddox on that, but hey, you live your dream, bruh. Uh, that's what's up with that. So, but the Angels, man, might actually spend big dough on Garrett Cole. But I'll tell you this: the New York Yankees are the second most expensive franchise, sports franchise in the whole world. They're not letting Garrett Cole slip. It's sort of like when CeCe Sabathia became a free agent. It's like the Yankees were going to sign him no matter what. And I feel like that's sort of what it's like with Garrett Cole, dude. The Yankees are looking to win. They haven't won a World Series since 09. They're so loaded on offense. Honestly, what they needed to win a World Series last year was a shutdown pitcher. I mean, so Garrett Cole obviously doesn't guarantee a World Series And I think in the starting rotation, I think they need a lot more than Garrett Cole to win a World Series. But this next season is going to be a lot different because the Astros aren't going to have Garrett Cole. Justin Verlander is going to be a year older. Who the hell knows where the Red Sox are. The Yankees are ready to pounce. They are all in on winning a World Series this year, and I love it. Dude, I'm so excited that the early season— the early MLB offseason is moving so quick, man. Zach Wheeler signed. Mike Moustakis got a good deal signed for like four years and $68 million. And my wife told me that, that Moustakis is like pledging like a, a decent amount of his uh, signing, like $680,000 to just like a local charity getting into and I think that's huge, man. you got a guy that's new to the area, and he's like, oh, yeah, you guys signed me to this big deal. I get to give $680,000. Uh, just right now, like you guys signed me for $68 million and I'm going to give $680,000 to a local charity like right now. Like, that's great, man. Around the holidays, I think it sends the right message to your team. And I don't know what the Reds are going to do, but I know they've got a, a, a hell of a starting rotation. The Cincinnati Reds, you know, could win the NL Central next year. They got Trevor Bauer, who I don't know what happened to Trevor Bauer last year. He had like a six ERA. With the Cincinnati Reds, he'll be better next year. Luis Castillo, bro, will be a Cy Young candidate, no doubt about it. And the Reds have Sonny Gray, who pitched good last year. Hell, Sonny Gray last year might have got Cy Young votes. So, I mean, the Reds could pitch, dude. And, hey, they might end up doing some damage next year. But nonetheless, you know, that's where we're at on that. What else do we got on the uh, free agent talks here? Ooh, oh, man, I just hit pause for like an hour and ate a whole quart of or pint of Americone Dream. Oh, sorry, I'm out of breath. Americone Dream from Ben and Jerry's. Oh, that's that's some good stuff. I've been going to the gym, but I've been eating it all the way in ice cream. Um, I want to talk about the Hall of Fame vote. So Marvin Miller got in. He was a big player advocate. And Ted Simmons got in. Cheers to Ted Simmons, the catcher that should have been in the Hall of Fame, like, ballots ago, you know, because this was a, what do they call this, a Veterans Committee ballot. And I, I would say that Ted Simmons should have been in on the normal ballot because I believe amongst catchers, he is, like, second in RBIs and maybe second in hits. It's a guy that should have been in. <laughs> so that's cool, man. There are other guys on there that I think had numbers, like Dwight Evans was on there. And he didn't get in. That's sort of an impressive guy not to get in. But the guy I want to talk about is Big Dave Parker. The Cobra. It, that's his nickname. The Cobra. Tell me that that nickname isn't one of the best nicknames in baseball. Right? I would want. I wish someone would have nicknamed me Cobra when I was a kid. Maybe I can get people to call me Cobra now. The Cobra. Like when I walk into work in the morning, they'd be like, that's, co- that's the Cobra. You know? Like... And then when I walk into conference rooms or like dial into conference calls, my name would show up as Cobra. I think that would be cool professionally. That would make me very intimidating. So I think that would be great. And but Dave Parker was a was a magnificent player when he was playing. Right now, Dave Parker has sort of an interesting career. His 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 career was ups and downs, where he was you know he had seasons where he was so damn good, he was written about at the time, because what you don't know about Dave Parker is after Roberto Clemente died, Dave Parker took his place in right field. And after Dave Parker had played for a few years in 1981, which is two years after the We Are Family 1979 World Series victory, seven games over the Baltimore Orioles, Lawrence Ritter and Donald Honing included him in their book, The Top 100 Greatest Baseball Players of All Time. In 1981, Dave Parker was on his way to being a top 100 baseball player of all time. Even the authors wrote in the book that Dave Parker had had succeeded Roberto Clemente at his position. That's how damn good he was. Dave Parker was a guy who... Could lead the league in RBIs, lead the league in slugging, and lead the league in batting. Dave Parker won back-to-back batting titles in 78 and 79. In 85, he led the league in RBIs. And in 75 and 78, he led the league in slugging. And then in 78, led the whole entire league in OPS and OPS Plus and total bases. Led the league in total bases three times. So this was a guy with the baseball bat. Could bat well enough to, he could win batting titles, out-slug anyone in the damn league, check this out, this is Dave Parker, Dave Parker could out-hit anyone in the league batting average wise, could out-slug anyone in the league, get more bases than anyone, and drive in more runs than anybody, this is a crazy number, but on top of that, where it gets even more impressive is his, his, his cannon arm his cannon arm in right field, dude. Like, Bo Jackson-esque. You go to YouTube, and in the 1977 All-Star Game, he won the MVP in the All-Star Game for his defense. He gunned out two guys at home plate. What, no, hold on. No, that wasn't the, no, that was the seventy nine. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I messed that up. I just told you that it was the 77 All-Star Game, where he won MVP, it act, I don't know if it was 77 or not, but one of them, this guy, threw out, I got to really figure this out. I should really do my research before this podcast. And he, was just, he just gunned, gun guys out, gunned a guy out, like back-to-back innings, I think. Found it, found it. 79, 1979, All-Star game. He won the All-Star MVP for his defense. He threw out a guy in the seventh inning, he threw actually he threw out Jim Rice in the seventh inning with a cannon of a throw. Just go to YouTube and search Dave Parker throw, and the, the guy's got a hose, man. This is an unbelievable, dude. Dave Parker was the first, you know, he was the first million dollar guy, the first guy to earn a million dollars in a season, and it was very well deserved. And that was in 1979 with the We Are Family Pittsburgh Pirates. He was just the one of the coolest dudes in baseball, like he was written about, you know, you can find articles on him now that just talk about how much of a positive influence that this guy was in the clubhouse, and he, he was a key part of that 1979, team when you really think about the 79 Pirates, they sort of have this 1985 Chicago Bears-esque feel about them, it's just this legendary team with all these loaded guys on it, Dave Parker was a huge part of that. Dave Parker also actually won the first Home Run Derby in 1985. What a wild dude. He grew up in Cincy. And check this out too. Cr- this is how strong Dave Parker was. Dave Parker hit a home run from Charleston, West Virginia to Columbus, Ohio. I swear it happened. He really did it. But what happened is it was a triple-A minor league game for the Pirates. And Dave Parker hit a home run that landed on a moving coal car that was passing by. And someone actually found that ball in Columbus, Ohio. And then a game like... Uh, when was it? Like in seventy-eight, in seventy-eight or seventy-nine or something, with a game against the St. Louis Cardinals, he legit knocked the cover off the ball. So, like, if you're a baseball analyst and you're like, "Oh, he's really knocking the cover off the ball today," like Dave Parker really did that, dude. Go to like Pinterest or Google and just look at any picture of the guy. He's huge, and he's he looks cool. Like Dave Parker in every picture he's ever taken looks just cool as shit like he is a cool looking guy like that's all i want to do is be dave parker cool dave parker would actually warm up in the on deck circle with a sledgehammer bro with a a legit sledgehammer <laughs> like i don't know like i guess dave park you know if you're dave parker you could just walk around with a sledgehammer and no one's gonna say anything to you because they're probably gonna be afraid he's six five he was six five like 230 man but the reason why Dave Parker's stats are up and down is he got in some cocaine trouble um, after the '79 season where he, he didn't actually get in trouble. But Major League Baseball did an investigation because there were quite a few Major League Baseball players doing the cocaine. You know, Tim Raines apparently used to have cocaine in his back pocket during baseball games and he would do cocaine like on second base like that's crazy just riding the white pony man <laughs> what, a weird, what a wild dude these guys just doing cocaine but the cocaine sort of affected his play and you know Dave Parker had seasons like you know his final seasons in Pittsburgh like 82 and 83 he was sort of just you know a league average hitter you know even in 1983 he was a below league average hitter but he had a renaissance he went to play for Cincinnati cuz that's where he's from and ended up uh, second in MVP voting in 1985 as a Cincinnati Red at the age 33 where he led the league in oh no he was 34 that year he led the league in RBIs and doubles and total bases dude so absolute stud he lost the MVP to Willie McGee man which Willie McGee probably won a batting title that year who the heck knows that's a that's a that's a dude right there And also listen to this. You can Google this picture, too. But have you ever watched the movie The Town with Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner? And they wear like those masks over the face when they go to beat the guy up in his apartment. Okay, so Dave Parker got in a home plate collision like in 78 or something like that. Gets in this home plate collision, dude, and he breaks his jaw. He's got a full broken jaw. But Dave Parker's like, man, I got a broken jaw. But like, I still want to play baseball. So Dave Parker got a town mask. He got a mask like Ben Affleck and Jeremy Renner on the town and played a baseball game. And he looked like he looked like a murderer in a Halloween flick. But that's how serious the guy was about playing baseball. And that's how much fun he wanted to have. Dave Parker would smoke a cigarette in the dugout. He didn't care. Dave Parker was James Dean cool. He was just, hey, if I want to light a cigarette and wear like this mean hockey mask while I play baseball, guess what? I can do it. And plus, there were guys too. Listen, folks say Dave Parker was the Muhammad Ali of Major League Baseball. And Dave Parker, he would just rhyme all the time. And also, Dave Parker used to wear a Star of David gold chain. And one time, Dave Parker he said that uh, a reporter asked him like, "Dave, Dave Parker, why do you wear the Star of David?" Right. And Dave Parker's answer was because I'm a star and my name is David. <laughs> that is some that's some legit freestyle rap stuff. This guy had all kinds of strength. He was one of the first. He had, he was so cool, dude, one of the first guys to ever wear an inning in baseball, an earring. He wore an earring in baseball. Right. So before Barry Bonds had, you know, Barry Bonds and that dangling cross. Like, dude, I'm going to tell you this, that that's an iconic Barry Bonds dangling cross earring when I was a kid listen my mom was a hairdresser right so she would cut hair but she would also pierce ears and my mom had an earring pierced gun and when I was in third grade I wanted an earring like Barry Bonds so my mom pierced my ear and I had a dangly earring <laughs> like Barry Bonds when I was like in third grade just hitting wiffle ball bombs in the backyard with a cross earring just like Barry Bonds and I loved it but Barry Bonds probably got that coolness from Dave Parker because he was one of the first athletes to ever wear an earring, and you damn sure knew he was in baseball. And Dave Parker had all these cool rhymes, you know? Like he was like, when the leaves turn brown, I'll be wearing the batting crown. That's how he rolled. There's only three things for sure today. The sun's going to shine, the wind's going to blow, and Big Dave's going to go foe for foe. That was Dave Parker, man. That guy, dude, so exciting. And I'm telling you, when I talk about the the Dave Parker aspect of should Dave Parker be in the Hall of Fame? Statistically speaking, well, if you look at his war, he has a 40.1 war. That's not enough to get in the Hall of Fame if you look at that stat, unless you're Harold Baines. But I want to bring up the Harold Baines thing because Tony La Russa was on that veterans committee. That, I'm going to get passionate about this. He was on that veterans committee that voted for Harold Baines. And Tony La Russa sat there and said, I, I coached Harold Baines. He goes, Harold Baines is a damn Hall of Famer, and I don't remember exactly what Tony La Russa said, but he was like, I don't care about the numbers, right? The guy was a leader in the clubhouse, and he's a Hall of Famer, he had a 38, 38 war, right? 2,800 hits because he played, like, 35 years, but it's whatever, dude. And truth be told, <laughs> what's interesting about Harold Baines, she can go on about his war and all that stuff, but it, if it wasn't for, like, the... Harold Baines went through the 81 strike and by the 94 strike, he probably would have had 3000 hits. But we're not here to talk about Harold Baines, right? But I want to talk about keep Harold Baines in the back of your mind because it's a guy who statistically speaking, you're like, that guy can't be in the Hall of Fame. But it's likely that he got in the Hall of Fame because of his clubhouse presence and his leadership abilities, right? So when you look at a guy like Dave Parker, man, who brought this energy to the game, his influence in the clubhouse far exceeded his wins above replacement. His influence on the game as a whole, being the first guy to ever make a million dollars a season, on top of that, being an African American, on top of that, bringing this swag to the game. That probably started a lot of what we see now, right? Dave Parker was definitely one of the first guys to bring the type of swagger and confidence that he brought to the game and his Major League Baseball right now, you know, looks at this, we play loud thing with guys like Acuna doing his thing, which I love it, and then Juan Soto doing like his shuffle where he like adjusts his cup and frees his ball sack from his thighs in between pitches, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's like a cool thing. And you almost have to, you can look back at Dave Parker and say, yo, that was a guy who was well before his time and probably enabled guys to do that sort of thing now And, you know, Dave Parker sort of started that conversation of like, hey, I'm not a white guy like everybody else, but I'm going to come in here and yeah, I might be a little brash and I might be a little confident and I might rub the guys the wrong way, but I'm going to be true to myself and I'm going to play how I want to play. Love it or hate it, I'm out here to win and that he did. But his numbers, his overall numbers don't really speak to being a Hall of Famer. Because he had a cocaine habit for a few years and put on a lot of pounds, and then that sort of thing, you know, increased his, uh, you know, injury proneness, and then he missed time, and then when he played, he wasn't himself, but, you know, aside from Dave Parker, when he was healthy and not riding the white pony, he was a really good player, but on top of that, I truly believe it, and I don't want to make a joke with the cocaine thing, that's not an excuse, right? It's a bad thing that, you know, that sort of thing happened to him. And you can say, well, if he hadn't done cocaine and hit 500 home runs and maybe was a lifetime, you know, 300 hitter instead of 290 with, like, a higher on-base percentage or maybe a 500 slugging, like, we would put this guy in. You know, I'm not—as I'm, I as a voter, I wouldn't be like, oh, well, if he didn't do cocaine, he would, like, have these numbers, right? In all seriousness, I think we can sort of put— you know, the cocaine thing aside and put Dave Parker's, you know, overall numbers not being a 65-70 war with 500 home runs sort of thing, but I think we can look at Dave Parker as a whole and the influence that he had on the game at the time and maybe how that led to how the game is changing now. But Dave Parker would get my vote solely because of his, well, not solely because But in big part of his influence on the game, I really believe his influence on the game far exceeds his war. And, you know, because, you know, do the 79 Pittsburgh Pirates win their World Series without Parker? I I don't, you know, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I can't say at all, but. Dave Parker, you know, the things I say about him with his rhymes and his gold chains and his energy and things like that, Dave Parker wasn't some sort of diva, right? He wasn't Terrell Owens in the clubhouse or anything like that. He was truly like this joyous guy who was just, you know, apparently a really good guy to be around. And so that's the type of, you know, confidence and swagger he had was it was just he was just a good guy to have in the clubhouse and a good guy to be around And, you know, even there was a guy, a former Pittsburgh Pirates outfielder, Mike Easler, said of Parker. He was like, listen, Dave Parker was the man. You'd come in the clubhouse and he'd be in there hyping himself and pumping up his teammates, right? And But he could back that up, too. Like, he could play the game. He was was truly just, you know, sort of like that dude. And I, I like him for a Hall of Fame vote. You know, and the question I'm sort of, like, you know, left with right now is... You know, what's the case for Hall of Famers that don't have, you know, the stereotypical numbers to back it up? Like right now, we have guys like Dave Parker who aren't in the Hall of Fame, guys like Ted Simmons who just got in the Hall of Fame after a veterans vote. But then on the other end of that, we got guys like Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds and Gary Sheffield. Gary Sheffield, I think, has just under 500 home runs, but Sammy Sosa's got like 609, 762 for you know, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire is like probably mid 540s. I th- I think in home runs, you know, it's just, there's, there's serious stuff out there. A-Rod's at 696. So we have guys with the numbers that aren't getting in, but then we don't want to let them in because we want to blame something else, right? I'm I'm going to get into that. But then, you know, you get guys like Parker and Ted Simmons, who's now, thank goodness, who you're sort of just like, man, we can't give those guys in because they don't have the numbers, right? And i when it comes to Harold Baines getting in the Hall of Fame, I'm not pissed about that, right? I don't talk crap about it. I don't have a problem with it, right? As as, as a guy who records a dumb podcast, who huffs and puffs because he's out of breath, because he eats too much Ben and Jerry's like, what am I going to do? Like, I, I do this podcast for fun. I'm not going to sit here and be like, they're stupid for voting him in. I know more than they do. Like, dude, the Veterans Committee is for that exact reason, to talk to guys that have an intimate relationship with the game and the player that's being voted upon and say, listen, let's look at this, right? Like, we want to talk about Harold Baines. We want to talk about Dave Parker. If Dave Parker got – he's the one player more than anything I want to see in the Hall of Fame. I don't give a crap about Barry Bonds or A-Rod. Actually, I hate A-Rod, and I don't think he should ever be in. I think Barry Bonds should be in. <laughs> um, But Dave Parker, dude, we could – I mean, that's just a guy that I want to see in there because of – you know, what I feel like he did for the game. And I I honestly think that Dave Parker helped shape the game into what it is right now, hands down 100%. But no doubt, I think, you know, baseball players should be looked at beyond their numbers more than ever to look at sort of their intangibles. You know, there are, there are baseball folks out there right now that say Yadier Molina is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't particularly like Yadier Molina. He's a St. Louis Cardinal. He's a pain in my butt, right? I don't think he's that great of a guy, and it's because I'm heavily biased because I'm a drunk Cubs fan, but, yo, Yadier Molina's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and people that don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, I, I cannot disagree with them more because of his leadership. Like, yeah, maybe his numbers aren't Johnny Bench or Ted Simmons or Buster Posey or whatever. Like, that's fine, but, right, like, Yadi Molina makes his pitchers better. Yachty Molina's a good clutch hitter. That's a sort of a guy that you kind of have to put in. And, you know, I, I can do without a lot of those numbers, you know? And, I you know, I think a lot of baseball GMs probably could, too. Like, Kevin Millar was a key piece in a 2004 World Series victory for the Red Sox. But, I mean, he's not a Hall of Famer. But, you know, you look at a guy like that, for example, and you say— Well, that guy's influence far exceeds his war, and he really contributes here in a way that we can't count on paper. So I'm all for putting guys in the Hall of Fame that don't look like they have the stats. I want to know who you're—now, you need to have, like, a certain amount of good stats, right? You know, for example, Rick Wilkins for the Chicago Cubs was probably a great guy to have around as a catcher, or like David Ross— David Ross, very influential guy in the club. Was, but he's nowhere near a Hall of Famer because he doesn't even really have elite numbers. And I don't know if he was ever a full-time catcher. But, yeah, I got no problem with Baines, and I would really love for Dave Parker to go. And If you don't know much about Dave Parker, you can always go to our Facebook page, Greatest on Dirt, or our Instagram or Twitter, Greatest Show on Dirt. And I routinely post stuff about Dave Parker, but go to YouTube and just watch Dave Parker gun dudes down. And also, there's one crap I wish I remember what all-star game it was but if you go to YouTube and search Nolan Ryan Dave Parker you'll get a Nolan Ryan Dave Parker at bat in the first inning of an all-star game Dave Parker strikes out but damn is it not a dang good at bat to watch it's so nice it's just like the heat from Nolan Ryan's fastball and then the swing of Parker it is just like you knew if Parker connected with one of these fastballs and he was going to hit it to the next town no doubt about it. Uh yeah, dude, crazy. All right, let's wrap this stuff up with some with some small stories. There are pitchers right now who are speaking out against the 2017 Astros, pitchers that are saying that they had their careers ruined by the Astros sign stealing scandal. Listen, I'm not condoning the sign stealing scandal the s- The Skine Stealing Scandal. I'm not drunk, honestly. I just had a lot of coffee and I haven't slept much. Finish the podcast. I'll be done in 10 minutes. Don't shut it off, you idiot. (laughs) I don't buy that these guys had their careers ruined by the Houston Astros side steal yeah them stealing signs wasn't good but you really gonna blame the Houston Astros for ruining your career no chances are if you didn't get a second chance or this was your last chance you suck <laughs> uh, Tommy Pham I hate to see him leave Tampa Bay but in a bold move Tommy Pham is now a San Diego Padre great Great if you're a Padres fan. You talk about a Dave Parker s guy, and I don't mean in the sense of, you know, being like super cool. <laughs> Tommy Fam's no Dave Parker, but I believe Tommy Fam is Tommy Fam is one of those guys where his his influence exceeds his war. Tommy Pham is a worker and at some point in his life, if not now he's legally blind because he has a degenerative eye condition and has to like put in a brand new pair of contacts like every other day that are like geared towards how his vision is at that particular time because it's very volatile, you know, how he sees and you know sort of things like that and he's a really damn good baseball player. The work ethic behind Pham is freaking Legit guy grew up with like no dad, he's tough as nails. He's one Tommy Pham is one of those guys where if he's got a problem, he would never blame it on the Houston Astros or anybody else. Tommy Pham is a guy that takes ownership, right? So it's a bold move, but it seems like judging the trade that the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays actually benefited on this trade because they got so the Padres got Tommy Pham and a two-way player named Jake Cronenworth who's a shortstop but would also be an opener for Brendan McCray and AAA this year Oh, uh, double at Bowling Green, Kentucky. Now, the Tampa Bay Rays got Hunter Renfro because Tampa needed power. And Hunter Renfro, it looks like, you know, Madison Bumgarner's, like, thick, heavy-set cousin who's just, like, country strong. I'm pretty sure that Hunter Renfro could just push up a tree. Like, when he goes to get his Christmas tree, he rips it out of the ground. He's a huge dude. But also... The Tampa Bay Rays got a second base prospect, this guy named Xavier Edwards, who apparently is a stud and is like a top 40 prospect. So the Rays got Tommy Pham for next to nothing and then have turned that into like a top prospect. And I guess I know Tampa needed power and this top prospect, Xavier Edwards, might be good, but I'll tell you what, with the San Diego Padres hooking up with... Tommy Pham getting a two-way player, Jake Cronenworth. I hope they do good because San Diego has their new brown uniforms this year, like the ugly brown ones on the Ozzy Smith Donruss Diamond King when he was on the Padres. If you have that card, just ugly brown, and I love it. I say ugly as a compliment, but it's a really cool jersey, almost to the point where it would make me buy a San Diego Padres jersey. I would totally do it. Anything else I got on my list here? Ooh, oh, what I was gonna say, dude, is the um I want to talk about school lunches for a second. Richard Sherman paid off twenty-seven thousand dollars of uh lunchtime debt at like some school district, probably in California because he plays in San Francisco now. And he paid off twenty-seven grand in uh lunchtime cafeteria debt, right? And it made me think of school lunches and the square pizzas. That you would get, did you get the square, you're listening to this, whoever you are listening to this in your car, did you get the square pizzas uh, on Fridays, at Friday Pizza Day in grade school, the square pizzas, and then you would get a chocolate milk for 35 cents, and then as dessert, you would get a fruit roll-up for 35 cents, damn, I love those square pizzas, My one of my good friends, Eric Joy, or growing up, his mom was a school school cook, and she would bring home square pizzas, and we eat them on the weekends, So we have Pizza Saturday and Pizza Sunday. God bless. I love those freaking square pizzas. So damn good. And Chicken Nugget Day, I think Chicken Nugget Day was like Wednesday. But dude, like those square pizzas, man, I love this. I need to go get a square pizza. And they weren't like a Bigfoot. They weren't square. Actually, they were rectangle pizzas and a damn good rectangle pizza. And I remember buying like chocolate milks and fruit roll ups and having 35 cents, which means you had an extra quarter and an extra dime. And that was like the gold mine. Like if you had an extra quarter when you were a kid, you were like, yo, damn, I'm about to get a bouncy ball when I go to the store with mom. But then when you got 35 cents, it opens you up to a whole realm of cherry fruit roll ups and chocolate milk. And it's just like cha-ching laddow but cheers to richard Sherman. 27 grand of debt paid off uh what else do i got anything good nope i think i'll end it here uh dd gregorius one-year contract with the phillies at 14 mil kevin gosman signed a one-year nine million dollar contract with the san francisco giants garrett cole still hasn't signed No other really big signings, I don't believe so. But stuff's getting away. Like I said, stuff's moving quicker on the the hot stove front. So that's a pretty good thing. But otherwise, I'm going to wrap this show up, dude. Let's cash it out. Until next time, do your best to get through the offseason. Go watch some Dave Barker highlights on YouTube. Dig through some of our older podcast episodes. There's all kinds of crazy stuff on there. And... Maybe look into baseball cards. Good ways to do some off-season. Maybe we'll do some off-season planning on the next episode to try to get through this off-season together. Thanks for listening. Twitter, Greatest on Dirt. Facebook, Greatest on Dirt. Instagram, Greatest Show on Dirt. Give us a shout, and thanks for listening. All right, take care, guys. Later.